The Interrobank podcast is brought to you by Simply Financial. Flex on your ex-bank with up to $700 from Simply Financial. Visit simply.com today. Conditions apply. Hello and welcome to the Interrobank podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Theodore. Let's get physical, consensually. Welcome back to the show. We have a familiar guest joining us later on, but first, here's a look at what's making news this week at Fanshawe. Next week is Truth and Reconciliation Week at Fanshawe College. Last year, the federal government designated September 30th as the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation, also known as Orange Shirt Day. From September 26th to September 30th, Fanshawe will be honoring the lost children and survivors of residential schools with events hosted every day. Last year, hundreds of unmarked graves and burial sites were discovered near residential school sites across Canada, revealing the painful history and impact of the residential school system. You can read more about all the events coming up on My Fanshawe or on our website. New changes have been made to the Inclusive Technology Center in room F2003. The number of desktop computers have been reduced so staff and students can bring their own laptops and equipment if they prefer. ITC is the place to come for all your assistive technology needs. They offer training on reading and writing software, as well as support for specialized computer hardware, such as mice and keyboards. Stop in and speak with one of the adaptive technologists to get started with assistive tools that can help you succeed in your academic career. Drop-ins are available Monday to Friday from 8 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. And a new partnership is helping strengthen the film and TV industry. Fanshawe has partnered with Seneca College and Centennial College, along with industry partners in the screen sector, to provide programs for in-demand production and technology skills. This will include eight micro-credential courses in film and television. This will help this will help fill this will help fill a gap in the industry for qualified individuals with up-to-date skills. So the industry is now turning to Fanshawe, Centennial, and Seneca to supplement the growing demand. Uh, So today, officially, our our sex issue is hitting the stands. This is an annual issue that we do every year. Um, The purpose of this issue is to help destigmatize conversations about sex, sexual health, and sexuality overall. Um, And because that covers such a broad range of topics, it means that the issue itself includes a very broad range of topics. So you've got everything in this issue from myths about masturbation to LGBTQ2S plus conversations, uh, even getting into support for STIs and sexual assault resources right here on campus. And there is literally no better person to talk to about all of that than Fanshawe's sexual violence prevention advisor, Leah Marshall. And if you're a frequent listener of the show, you'll know she's joined us quite a few times in the past, but we love having her on for our annual sex episode. So hope you enjoy this conversation because I always love getting a chat with Leah. Uh, Leah Marshall, welcome back to the Interrobank podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Hannah. So you're no stranger to the show, but for anyone who doesn't know, can you let the people know who you are and what you do? Absolutely. So I am a support on campus for students who've experienced any type of gender-based violence. 
the violence can have taken place before you came to Fanchon, you were a student with us, or when you're here as a student. Um, my job is to really confidentially make sure that students know what their rights and options are on campus so that um, survivors can pick the best healing path for them moving forward. Um, so that is the support part of my role. And the other piece of my role is education and prevention on campus and really just trying to change the culture around how we talk about sex, how we access sexual health products, um, how we talk about pleasure and sex positivity, and how we move away from kind of a, a binarizing idea of what sex and pleasure look like. Yes, certainly a huge supporter of destigmatizing sex and sexual health conversations on campus overall. So let's start with Sexual Awareness Week. So this episode is going to be coming out Friday. So most of the events will have been coming to a close. Can you walk me through what kind of was going on this week? Some of the response you've heard from students. I was just looking at pictures from Sexy Sexual Health Trivia. That looked so much fun. Like everyone just looked like they were having the best time. Absolutely. So, and I will say the good news is, is that we run programming every month. So if students missed out on things this week, there's going to be things that you can participate in all the way throughout the year. Um, but just to give you a kind of an idea of what took place this week is on Monday, we brought in the options clinic and they are a clinic in London that provides rapid HIV testing. And so we set them up in the wellness center beside Fowler Kennedy and it was a drop in so students could pop in in 20 minutes students get their finger pricked and can know their HIV status and so that's something that will take place on campus once a month, but we actually ran out of tests on Monday. So we know that it was a successful event. It was a great way to kick off um, the week. And we're so appreciative of that partnership because we've learned over the years that it's awesome to provide the options for community resources, but it's even more amazing to bring those things right on campus so that students can access them so much easier than having to get on transit and figure out a new system and where to go. Um, so that was Monday. And then, as you mentioned, we had the incredible Samantha Biddy here. Um, and Samantha did our sexy sexual health trivia in the Outback Shack. I'm just so excited that we had in-person events again this year. And I know students are feeling the same way because I've heard, you know, just the energy is different when we're not sitting on Zoom. Mm -hmm. um, and so I heard the event was actually packed and um, have got a lot of positive feedback. It's, it's a fun way to engage with the material and to learn things that maybe we wouldn't even know to ask. Um, mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. I always love Samantha's delivery, um, the drag component. Um, it makes, you know, talking about these things fun, which it should be. Sex should be fun and enjoy enjoyable and pleasurable. And so um, really appreciative of Sam for doing that. Um, and then we tonight um, have Chanel Miller, who is a survivor um, of uh, a case that took place at Stanford University in the States. Um, Chanel is an artist, she is a writer, um, she's an incredible speaker, and she'll be joining us virtually tonight at eight o'clock to talk about her book, which is called Know My Name. Um, and it's all about reclaiming. So when we've experienced gender-based violence, a lot of the times our identity feels like it's stripped away from us. Um, a lot of the time, a lot of stigma and people's uh, perceptions of survivors and victims get projected onto us. Um, and so Chanel really speaks to the, the piece around reclaiming not only her name in the media, but also reclaiming her story and who she is and her future and everything to do with 
who she is because gender-based violence is something that happens to us. It's not who we are. Um, and so I really resonated with that message and I think a lot of students will as well. Yeah, that's, I mean, so amazing that she is gonna be able to share her story with the Fanshawe students. Yeah, certainly that like know my name title is so powerful. I think, especially with that case, even, even I, the first thing I think of is the perpetrator. I, and I, I know his name, but reclaiming her, her identity in that, I think is such an important message. Yeah. And it's such a powerful, like cultural piece to decenter yeah. the perpetrator, right? Um, a lot of the things that we hear are a lot of, um, excuses for the perpetrator, um, sometimes, unfortunately, sympathy as well. Um, when people forget that at the center of this is someone's life who has been impacted so significantly. Um, and so it's not often that we hear directly from survivors so publicly. And um, I think that that's an important, it's important for us as an institution to uplift and, and make space for those voices um, because it helps people understand that it isn't also all about the impact of trauma. It's about what happens after and what does healing look like and how messy can it be and what can you do if you have someone in your life that's experienced this and what can you learn about how how to support others because that's really how we change the culture is by pushing back on all that horrible messaging that does mm -hmm. not uplift survivors well and on that same note so you know as we always try to do at the interbang our sex issue always kind of coincides with the end of sexual awareness week so our sex issue is coming out Today, it's on newsstands now. Uh, we had a couple of writers reach out to you for stories about SVPA and other resources on campus. And you're also like a go-to source for radio students in the broadcast program. How important is it to you to use the media resources on campus and within the community to spread the message that you're always trying to spread? Oh my gosh, the most important. Um, <laughs> I would say, um, you know, I'm one person and me talking about these issues and me talking about the impacts and the education and the prevention, it's important. Um, but my voice is one voice. And um, my voice is also through my lens. And um, right, I am a white, cisgendered, queer woman, and I see the world a certain way. Um, and so for me, it's always those connections with our community and especially our students, because our students are not only the voice of what's happening on campus, they're also the professionals of tomorrow. So everything they're reporting on and they're talking about now also impacts what they're going to talk about and report on in the future and in the broader community. And we know like we are the Fanshawe community, but we're just the starting point for the rest of people's lives. And so um, I love that we are such a diverse campus that has so many different voices weighing in on what's going on. And every time I meet with a student, even if it's questions about my role, the questions are slightly different because it's what they are interested in knowing. It's what they want their peers to know about. And so um, I try to absolutely never turn down an interview if I possibly can, um, because I, I want it. I want the community to hear from them as well and hear their questions, which may be things that I didn't even think about. Um, the other piece is that the reach is broader, right? Um, when we're having these conversations in so many different spaces, it becomes part of our culture. It's not a one week that we talk about, this is your 
option for support on campus, we hope you know about it. We're never going to reach everyone. So we have to continuously have that messaging flowing throughout the year. Um, we need to let people know that it is a part of our culture. We know that this is happening. It's an epidemic across Canada and so many students are impacted by this violence. So instead of just saying one week a year, we're going to give you that information. Um, we're going to look for every opportunity possible to let students know what their options are and that they they have they have options because it really can be quite an isolating experience when mm -hmm. we experience this type of violence. I almost think of you like a like a prism with like all the, the the stories are coming in and you're hearing all these testimonies and then you you are kind of the voice that gets to relay what you're what not like obviously not like <laughs> breaking confidentiality, but like knowing what the, what people are telling you and hearing those testimonies and then knowing what to relay. Yeah, I love that analogy. That's beautiful <laughs> as well. Um, thank you. But it's, it's definitely, I think we have to be really honest when we have mm. these conversations too. So um, what I think about when I think about students reporting is that there is so much genuine honesty mm. and curiosity and um, that part, everything should be done in partnership, right? So mm -hmm. yes, the students are curious and they have these questions and they come to me and I, like you said, have this experience of partnering and walking alongside survivors on our campus. So I have a pulse on what's going on. I have a pulse on where the gaps are. Mm -hmm. um, and I have a pulse on what students in the confidential space are saying they want more of or that they need. Yeah. Um, and so it's through that partnership of being that, that voice outside of the space, but also connecting with the voices of, of those who just have a passion for making sure their peers are going to be safe and mm -hmm. also making sure that their peers don't, you know, have to leave school because they thought there was no way to get their classes accommodated or, you know, there's so many things that we don't know until we're in a situation. And so this constant conversation and it, the same way I feel about you and how you make this conversation a priority mm -hmm. you know it's not always something that people see as as fun or enjoyable to speak about because it, it is it's sad and it's horrible that people have to live through these experiences because someone else decided to hurt them mm -hmm. um, but there is this other side of it where we can use that for for pushing forward a better culture as well yeah 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 it's, it's part of my job too right to to listen to what students are telling me what are you know, in my position, I'm not a student anymore, but I, I need to know what students are talking about, what they're interested in, uh, good or bad, right? And, and not shying away from any of it. So on that uh, note, I want to, I want to get into a couple of the topics that were covered in our sex issue. And I know you haven't uh, they're not out yet, so we haven't looked through them, but I just want to use them as kind of a jumping off point for some conversation. Um, so one of the features uh, was written by our reporter, Zoe King, and she had written about the kind of awkward but mutually beneficial experience of talking to your parents about sex and sexual health. And she spoke with an expert who really seemed to speak directly to parents telling them that like, this is something you need to prioritize with your children is, is talking about this and having that openness as a family. Obviously every family is different, but in, in your opinion, how beneficial is it to have that openness at home where you can talk to your parents about sex and sexual health? And what are the consequences of not having that? So conversations about respect and bodily autonomy should start so early before we even talk about sex. <laughs> um, <laughs> right? Like, And under, we, we do talk about 
you know, hands off at school. And right. there, I, I remember, you know, all those types of messages, but really understanding that someone has the ability mm-hmm. to make decisions for their own body is a really important message. Um, and I've seen so many um, kind of shifts in that in the last couple of years where people will be like, I'm not posting my child on social media because I don't know if they want all these things out there in the future. And, or I'm telling my child it's okay to tell someone they don't want to have the hug or the kiss that the family member tries to force on them at the family event. Um, And these may seem like small things to some people, but it starts an understanding and an acknowledgement of respect for other people and other people's decisions over their own bodies. And it also teaches the child that they have that right. And so I believe, um, because I'm seeing it now, right? Like I'm seeing sometimes the outcomes of people um, not respecting other people's bodies, not acknowledging that they feel entitled to other people's bodies. Um, And so if that could start way before people got to college, that would be awesome. Um, And, you know, I always think I would love if I didn't have a job having to do this. I love my job, but the whole goal is to work towards not having to do this work. Um, And so I think part of that is, yep, starting at the beginning, having those early conversations, we learn yes and no really early. They're probably some of the first words that we learn as parents are teaching us things. And so it's easy to work in those different conversations. I'm definitely not a expert with children, but there are so many awesome resources out there if people want to learn more and to educate themselves on how to have those conversations with their kids. It also then leads to so much stigma if we don't when it comes to talking about sex and sexual health. uh, Sexual health is part of our overall health. And so when um, we don't talk about that as part of our being and part of looking after ourselves, it becomes this other this other thing that's like, it's, you know, it's, we talked about it. I think Zoe and I actually talked about it, but when people walk by the vending machines that have the condoms and the dental dams and the period products, and there's like the Snickers and the laughs and like, Ooh, like we can't believe that this is out in an open space. That's because we've been taught that it's something that shouldn't be in the open, that it should be something that's talked about behind closed doors or not talked about at all. And so creating a culture where we talk about those things creates a healthier, happier culture overall. And one that is more culture of consent than one that people just push through and um, harm others. Uh, yeah, the one for me, I don't know if it was mentioned in the article, but like, like euphemisms for genitalia, which are so unnecessary, you know, like yeah. if you're, if you as a parent are too squeamish to say like penis, vagina, like what, how is your child going to think about those body parts, which are just body parts, right? Just body parts. I saw this amazing <laughs> TikTok recently and it was this little girl with like um, a replica of a vulva and she's actually pointing out and saying all the different terminology mm-hmm. properly and yeah. she's probably five. So, <laughs> you know, like this is, I'm like, wow. And, and that's how it should be. Like, and when we talk about bodies again in this othering kind of way where we can't say the words, we also send this message that there's something wrong or our Mm -hmm. bodies are dirty Mm -hmm. Um, and no body is dirty, um, no genitalia is dirty. And if you think about when we, even when we talk about STIs, it's very similar, right? We say, oh, you're either clean or you're dirty. That has some kind of moral kind of feeling to it that there's like a good and a bad when really, um, you know, STIs are just a very common infection that can happen. Um, And so we need to shift our language and we can start that with kids. But I think even 
for us right now at this point in the game, we can also talk about STIs the way we talk about COVID, right? Like mm-hmm. I got tested, I was positive for, um, I'm negative for, instead of adding this kind of moral thought process to it, where there's either good or bad or clean or dirty, mm-hmm. um, that stuff isn't necessary. Um, and it really does stop us from moving forward as a culture in terms of just being healthier and more sex positive. Okay, so another feature that I want to look at here, and this is kind of also dealing with like stigma. So this is one of my favorites that we have in this issue. Reporter, reporter uh, Johan George went through and debunked a series of myths about masturbation. What is the wildest myth about masturbation that you've heard? Oh my gosh, the wildest myth. I did a course, like a sexual violence course, um, a long time ago. And I remember they had talked about some kind of strange connection to cereal and that there was like thinking if people ate a certain cereal, it made, oh. is it cornflakes? I think? Yeah. Cornflakes. This is why yeah. cornflakes was invented to, to right. like stop masturbation. Okay. Thank you. That yeah. was That's probably the strangest thing I've ever heard so um, about masturbation. And, you know, and I know that like, so when I get up and present in groups of students, like it's such a mixed bag. Like sometimes like people are very quiet because they're also not expecting these words to come out of my mouth when I'm encouraging Mm -hmm. them to get to know their bodies and know what works for them. And I understand that there is a lot of factors in who we are and where we've been raised and the messages we've been given and maybe the faith that we felt. There's lots of factors that can play into that. Um, When we talk about knowing our bodies, it's about letting people know that if I know my body, then I'm, when I'm with a partner or multiple partners, um, I'm able to communicate what works for my body. I'm not relying on that other person to figure that out. I'm able to have better communication and conversation. And so all of these things are like scaffolding for, for having better, you know, interactions with others in terms of like sex in any of its amazing forms. And so, yeah, that is a weird one that I've heard. Um, (laughs) probably the weirdest. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That story is so crazy. I I just learned about that recently too. Yeah. Like how, I mean, it just probably goes to show how, um, everyone, not everyone, but like corporations even getting in on this idea of like moral, some kind of moral issue with (laughs) masturbation. Capitalism is playing a role. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) As, as it does. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the, the last thing I want to talk about here, and I think this is a, a good place to, to end it. So reporter Adamantha explored the meaning of affirmative consent. How do you define affirmative consent and how does it maybe differ from what people think consent is? So there's a lot of terminology around consent. So even when I teach about consent, we talk about like the fries analogy, mm-hmm. and, you know, it's ongoing, it's enthusiastic and it's um, specific. And, um, and sometimes I think when we are talking about really specific terminology, people get really nervous. Like, am I checking the boxes? Am I doing it exactly the way that this is saying I should do it? Um, not that I don't want to say that that isn't important because I think having those conversations is and being very firm about, you know, we do need to be specific, especially when it comes to what we want for our bodies or what the other person wants for their body. Um, when we talk about, you know, safer sex, so when we talk about, are we going to use a barrier? Are we going to use a condom or a dam? What is that going to look like? Um, can we check in partway through? Um, so having those conversations upfront is very important and making sure that we're both on the same page, but consent is an ongoing conversation. 
So I can also start an interaction off saying to my partner, this is what I want. This is what is, you know, this is what you want. Okay. We're on the same page. Let's do that. Um, but then when we get in the interaction, I can also change my mind Mm -hmm, (laughs) and mm -hmm. I can be like, Ooh, yeah, that isn't working for me today. Or like, that's not doing it for me. And so we also need to know how to have that conversation as an ongoing piece. Um, and that's, that's how we talk about and teach consent is that it, it is really an, an ongoing conversation. And so what I always encourage students to do is to check in. You do not have to be a mind reader. None of us are that I know of. Um, and hopefully no one is. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you, when I spoke to the varsity athletes this week, I said, if you are unsure, like ask. And it's not going to make a moment you know, it's not going to burst the bubble of the moment. It's actually going to make the moment better Mm -hmm. because instead of filling in the blanks of what I think the person is going on for that person, I'm able to actually know from that person, that person's there, (laughs) however many people I'm engaging with have the conversation. So, um, I, I think when we talk about consent, yes, ongoing, specific, enthusiastic, we both know what we're getting ourselves into. Um, there's fun ways to do that too. And so, we talked about like the use of sexting. Like Mm -hmm. if you're getting to know someone and it feels maybe uncomfortable at first to have those conversations, sexting can be the best way to start those conversations where we're not actually face-to-face with the person if that feels uncomfortable for us. And just getting to know like, what do you like? And it, and it is fun (laughs) and pleasurable (laughs) to have those conversations. So it also builds, builds things as well. So uh, we get a lot of like kind of pushback at times where people are like that ruins the moment, or that's not going to make it enjoyable. Like no communicative, communicative sex is like the best sex that you can have (laughs) Um, because you are connected and understanding of what someone wants. And you're not doing something that, that is not going to feel safe or good for someone. Yeah. Yeah don't, don't choose the option where you could potentially be doing something that someone doesn't enjoy. Right. Like, absolutely. Yeah. 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 And like, there's amazing checklists out there too. Like I always say this to students, um, we're trying to work on one right now for students, but there's fun, sexy ways to also have like a, what do I like? What do I don't like? So say like you, you know, I don't expect every student to be like an expert in everything kink or like (laughs) everything related to sex. Their sex is so expansive and amazing. There's a bazillion different options. Um, And so there's amazing checklists out there that you could do with your partner and be like, Hey, let's talk about like, which of these acts are we maybe interested in? Mm -hmm. Which of these like really are like an absolute no-go for me? Mm -hmm. And which of these do I really love? And that just helps us kind of like, as like a jumping off point to be like, okay, like now I know that you never want me to pull your hair yeah. or now I know that you always want to use a barrier, right? right? Like, so those conversations, there's fun ways to have them. And I would say like, look at like coming soon, we're going to work on one, <laughs> else, but um, you can always find them online too, to start that conversation with your partner. But like, absolutely. Like the bottom line is if you don't know, check in. Yeah. Yeah. So before you go, Leah, tell the people uh, where to find you and how they can get in touch. So I'm in F2010, which is the Counseling and Accessibility Services Office. But the best way to reach me is through email because I do meet with students on any Fanshawe campus. So um, the regional campuses as well, downtown, St. Thomas, Simcoe, Woodstock, Clinton. So you can reach me by email. We can set up an in-person or a virtual appointment, whatever feels best for you. And you don't have to share any details with me to get the support. I don't need to know what happened unless you want to give me that information. 
Wonderful. Thank you so much, Leah. As always, it's such a pleasure to get to chat with you. No problem. Thanks so much, Hannah. You can find Leah Marshall in the Counseling and Accessibility Office at Fanshawe's London campus in room F2010. You can also reach out to her by email at lkmarshall at fanshawec.ca. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Interabang podcast. As always, you can catch up with every episode on our website or wherever you get your podcasts. Pick up the latest issue of Interabang right now on newsstands at Fanshawe College, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and subscribe to our newsletter to keep up with all things Fanshawe. For the Interabang, I'm Hannah Theodore. The Interabang podcast is brought to you by Simply Financial. Flex on your ex-bank with up to $700 from Simply Financial. Visit simply.com today. Conditions apply.